Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, we've been learning how to hack life. Uh, life hacking is so in right now. Finding efficient ways to make life better, more productive. All sorts of different life hacks out there in life. I've seen many of you already sending me your photos of cords wrapped up in bulldog clips and all sorts of great life hacks that you've been discovering. So wonderfully spiritual of you all. Thank you for that. Great ideas. But I've also been wondering if we can hack life, I wonder if there are life hacks for the soul. And this three weeks has been, what if we could, if I could just take the, uh, the three simplest things that I think would make your Christianity more productive. And the first week we talked about uh, accentuating your acceptance. When you understand your unconditional acceptance in God, then it allows you to stop creating a self-image for yourself. Uh, it allows you to just live a life of, of freedom. You stop auditioning in front of people all the time. And then last week I said, make room for margin in your life. Life just works better when there's margin. Uh, this morning, our final one is just develop a system for sameness. Develop a system for saving us. You'll see what that means in a second. But the, the reason is, I don't know about your friends, but I certainly know of my friends out in the world. If there is one type of person that people cannot stand in the world, it's hypocritical Christians. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> right? And if there is one type of person that really frustrates people and doesn't do much for the church's reputation, it's hypocritical Christians. Uh, the only challenge is we're hypocritical Christians. <laughs> uh, I'm a hypocritical Christian. And um, you, you I'm, don't laugh, I'm going to go first, right? You're thinking, wow, what, a, what an inspiring message. I come to church, exactly one of those churches. You know, they tell me I'm a hypocrite, I'm a church. Uh, but, but I don't know if you've ever noticed this in your life. For, for me, I find uh, it's, it's really interesting how I describe what I do depending where I am. If I'm at a church conference in Atlanta like I was last year and I'm with a whole bunch of leaders and they ask me what I do, then my answer is, oh, well, I'm the pastor of a multi-site contemporary church in the lower north shore of Sydney, right? If I'm out there then with my son's basketball team and one of the parents asks me what I, what I do, I say, oh, um, I'm in HR. <laughs> I'm in people management. <laughs> do you do this? I know, that, I know that you do this. Don't laugh at me. Laugh at yourself. I know you do this, right? Because some of you will feel this tomorrow. Some of you will feel this incredible pressure that comes along almost every Monday when you go and you're making a cup of tea in the lunchroom at work and someone comes up to you and they say to you some of the most terrifying words someone can say to you as a Christian after the weekend. They said, what do you get up to yesterday? And that's where you say to them, you take a big gulp of your tea and you say... I went to church, <laughs> right? <laughs> I went to church. You know, to start with, like, do you just sneeze church, right? Do you guys sneeze church? I don't, I don't blame you because hypocritical Christians haven't made it uh, all that fair on us. But haven't you noticed how people seem to be different in every different situation? And I know if it's true of me, it's possibly true of you, and that is essentially, I hate to tell you this morning, what hypocrisy is, right? We divide ourselves, right? You've seen these types of people, maybe you've got friends like this in your life, 
right? That, that they'll, they'll, they'll be off, you know, they'll be off at, at parties, you know, and, and they'll be at a white collar party and they'll say, you know, you know, what's, you know what's wrong with the world? The unions, you know, and then they'll be off at a blue collar party and they'll say, you know, you know what's great about the world? The unions, right? You know, these types of people, we're, we, we're divided and that in essence is hypocrisy and part of the reason why we're like this is because we're always wearing masks. Have you noticed this? If you haven't, I'll show you what I mean. Um, but that's essentially what hypocrisy is. When Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to read from in a second, uh, you hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. The Greek word there for hypocrite was literally mask wearer or actor. He says, you're act- you actors, get stop hiding behind the mask. And the mask for the Greek actor is that the the mask did this. It meant that the heart could be different from the part. That the heart is different from the part. And when we think about it, isn't that what frustrates you with the world around you this week? I'm sure if I asked you now, there, there would be multiple situations where you know that people's heart was different from the part. Many of you come from workplaces and friendships and groups and families where the part doesn't match the heart. And there's this image creation going on. Dr. Brene Brown, you know, she's so hot right now on Netflix. Uh, she says, image is what people think we are. Integrity is what we really are. So the life hack of developing a system for sameness is develop a system of integrity because our biggest challenge is hypocrisy. To which you say, no, I'm not. I'm not a hypocrite. You know, I'm not... Look, it's a little bit of remedial massage this morning. So just bear with me, like it'll sting for a little bit. And then when I release it, you'll walk out of here a little bit more liberated. Is that the deal? Okay? A little bit more free, a little bit more range of motion, right? But if you're still saying to me, I can't believe this guy, you know, it's exactly what I didn't want to turn up to on a Sunday morning, is listening to some bloke telling me that I'm a hypocrite, then that's fine. I've just, I've developed a little kind of self-test. I'm not a psychologist, but I, de- I developed my own little home test here of the five kinds of masking, right? The first one is deflection. Deflection is to type, you know, just, just think, you, you've, if you haven't ever done this, then it's okay, you're not a hypocrite, right? But, you know, you do this once, don't, you're out, you're a hypocrite, okay? That's the deal, Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'll be asking for a raise of hands at the end of the, end of the test, <laughs> right? Deflection, I'm sure you've never done this. Deflection is when someone says, oh, yeah, let's, let's go out together. Let's, um, let's go grab dinner. And you say to them, oh, no, sorry, um, no, we're out of town. But you're not out of town. You're hiding under a blanket, hoping that they don't see you, or you go silent on your social media for the whole weekend just so they can't geolocate you, okay? That's deflection. Exaggeration, exaggeration for those in partnerships would know this, and I'm sure this never happens in your partnership when you're really, really angry at each other and you say that you never clean up your socks from the living room floor, right? You know, it's that you never, ever do this, right? That, that's, that's exaggeration, right? And you kind of think you're telling them the truth and you're being integrous, but you're not. What are you really doing? You're beating them up. What you really mean is you, you generally don't pick your socks up, right? That's exaggeration. Uh, in... Inflation. Inflation is, um, I love inflation. Christians are so good at this. Oh, church was so wonderful. You know, the spirit was just there. 
you know, or if you're under 30, church was fire, right? <laughs> right, hit all the fire emojis, right, guys? Sue Ann, you can put that on our Instagram, you know, church was fire, right? There's no integrity in that because you're so inflated all the time that it's like crying wolf. People just, people just get tired of hearing you say how fire church was, right? Um, in word inflation, oh, it's, it's amazing, it's incredible. Adulation. Adulation is, is when you, you overpraise someone. Uh, when, when, here's what adulation is. When someone that you love dearly is kind of really hopeless at something that they do, but you don't have the guts to tell them that they're hopeless, and they come up to you and they go, oh, what do you think of this artwork? I'm going to start my own business. I think it's amazing. I'm going to sell them on Facebook. And you go, wow, that's amazing. It's incredible, right? Anyone not done any of these yet? And deception, deception's pretty obvious. Deception is when, you know, you pump all your sales figures into the system at the end of the quarter knowing that you're never really going to deliver on that. Deception is when you say that your company's all about quality, but it's not really. You treat your employees really badly, right? These are all forms of masking. So class test, anyone pass all of these? Great, you're all hypocrites. Awesome. <laughs> In all seriousness, that's the wrestle for us this morning. And by the way, I love you. If you're a guest, I love you. We are for you. <laughs> it's remedial massage this morning. But it's so, this is so important, right, guys, right? Because I, I don't know about your friends and my friends, but the one thing that people want from the church and from Christians in particular, I don't think is necessarily the big programs, the snazzy worship, the fact that church was fire on the weekend, right? They want people who say what they mean and they mean what, what they say. And our founder of the church understood this, that he said, acting on stage is fine, but acting in life is devastating. It's devastating, first of all, because it breaks down community. Like, can you imagine a world where the preachers are morally corrupt, the teachers are told that they, keep, uh, they, they can keep lying, that the judicial system has no form of objectivity to it, that the police are corrupt. Like, what sort of world would that be without integrity? You want integrity. And so it means every time, and I could sound like I'm exaggerating here, but every time you eat away at the fabric of your integrity, you're eating away at the fabric of community's integrity. But most importantly, you know, a lack of integrity, a lack of truth-telling destroys human dignity. When you tell a lie in those sorts of tests to someone, it devalues them. It says that you're not significant enough and valuable enough to offer the truth to you in that moment. It takes their humanity many away from them. And in deception, in the worst case, you're just an instrument to be used. Can you see this? Jesus says this is devastating. And so he comes up with the standard of living for his followers that looks like this. He says this, thanks Kara. Again, you've heard it said that the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne, or by earth for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no, Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And so I told you, there was just one sentence from Jesus today. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Say what you mean and mean what you say. 
First and foremost, we see in this passage that when he says, do not swear an oath, what Jesus is not doing here is he's not saying, oh, oaths are old school and just do your own thing moving forward. <laughs> he's, not saying, he's not saying, oh, oaths is the, is the law, but I'm giving you a new law and get rid of all of that. No, when you actually look at what he is saying, he's saying, people who are followers of mine should live as if they are perpetually under oath, Right? Couples do this all the time. It's called marriage, right? You live perpetually under oath. I don't wake up of the morning and say to Kristen, look, I swear that I'm going to be committed to you today. I made that decision long ago and I perpetually live my life in light of that obligation. So let's get that one out of the way. Christians are the sort of people who constantly live their life as if they have an obligation to integrity. And then Jesus says to us, simply... In light of that, then, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, live a life of integrity. In other words, there shouldn't be a yes over here and a no over there. There shouldn't be a yes over here and a no over there. There should be no difference between you. Jesus says, I want you to have a sameness in every situation. Sameness in every situation. <laughs> um, you know, the, the word integrity comes from the same sort of Greek word where we get the word integer. Have you got, got any math teachers? In the class, an integer versus a fraction, an integer is a whole. It's a whole number, right? As opposed to a fraction. And so the word integrity comes from this sense of wholeness. A person with integrity is whole. They are indivisible. There's no compartmentalization with them. They are what you see is what you get. There should be no divisibility about you. Which means then... <laughs> Is there a difference about you between who you are at church and who you are at work? Is there a difference about you between what you say and what you do? Is there a difference about what you say you believe and then what you do in another context? <laughs> are you a, a yes over here and a no over there? Here's another one. Are you, a, are you a lion on the keyboard? But in real life, you're a wimp. Divisibility, no wholeness. Is there a system of sameness about you? <laughs> so why are we so divisible? Right? <laughs> Integrity means that there is a wholeness about, a sameness about you in every single situation. And you know what? You know, I think, I think our society yearns for this, right? They pay for this. And I tell, I tell you exactly how I know that people want integrity... Uh, the Kardashians, right? No, I, I mean this in the truest sense of the word, right? In the 90s, like reality television almost tanked. But thanks to the Kardashians, it's alive and well, right? And it's something ridiculous. I believe the Kardashians, and you know, you can write this down and take it home and say that you learnt this at church on Sunday. You know, I believe the Kardashians are going to earn about $150 million per season from 2022, moving onwards all under the banner of this amazing genre of TV called reality TV. We love reality TV. Yeah, or sci-fi. Depends which way you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> and we kind of love the thought, don't we, that, that we can see behind the, se the scenes of everything and that there's a sameness, there's an integrity about them. People want to see that in our lives. People want to see that in our community. So the question for us is, why are we so divisible? 
And as a one-pointer today, it's just, it's very simple. Jesus kept it simple. I'll keep it simple. I think we're divisible because most people haven't worked out who they're going to be before they work out what they're going to do. Most people haven't worked out who they'll be before they've worked out what they will do. And for some of you, you know, you're in this tricky situation where because of your talents and your gifts and the amazing way that you can do things and lead, you run the risk where you're, you move to a point where your success can outpace your character. And so you haven't developed a system for sameness. And here's what I mean by this. Are there any non-negotiables underneath the mask? Are there non-negotiables to your soul? Are there things that don't change about you regardless of the circumstances? Psalm 1 says, Blessed are those who walk in the, in the law of the Lord. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever, it do, whatever they do prospers. In other words, there's a root, the subterranean root system that keeps people the same regardless of the context around them. Is there a root system in you? Is there a set of non-negotiables about you? You know, and if you're not sure what I mean, look, at least the singer Meatloaf understood this principle, right? What did Meatloaf once say, the great prophet that he is, right? Meatloaf said, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he, Sevy? Yeah, right? And if you're wondering what Christianity is, that's what Christianity is. We will do anything for love, but... There's a couple of non-negotiables that we are grounded in as Christians. I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. I will do anything for love, but I, I, I will not lie. I'll do anything for love, but I, I will not twist and manipulate. I'll do anything for love, but I will not use you for the sake of my own religiosity and agenda. Is this making sense? Meatloaf got it right. Meatloaf understood Jesus. <laughs> Stephen Covey, if you want to go the other end of uh, great secular advice, calls it beginning with the end in mind. Remember his exercise of, of visualising, we know this, seven habits are highly effective people and you visualise your funeral and you, you write down what your eulogy would sound like. They become your non-negotiables. For me, it's it's a hidden framework. I want to be an irresistible husband. I want to be a memory-making and future-creating dad. I want to be a loyal friend. I want to be an influential leader. I want to be a transformational communicator. I want to be a multiplying mentor. They're my non-negotiables. They're my themes. That's the framework under, underneath me. And whenever I come up against certain situations in life, and I don't do this perfectly, but at least I've got a grid system to grid the decision against. No, that is going to violate my decision in advance, my non-negotiable of being an irresistible husband. I'm not going to do that. Are there non-negotiables in your life? Are you focusing on who you're going to be rather than what you do? Because here's the wrestle for all of us this morning, is that developing a system for sameness is going to cost you. And I think that's why we are so divisible. It's going to cost you. I know it has cost some of you because I've heard the business stories and I've heard the decisions that some of you have had to make. I've heard what it's cost you to tell the truth. And Jesus understood that too, because when he said, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths, that Greek word for keep the oaths is actually literally translated, but pay the oaths you have made to the Lord. The Greek word literally almost sounds like, you have heard it said, keep your, uh, you have, you ha don't break your oath, sorry, 
but pay the oaths you have made to the Lord. It's kind of a strange way to say it, but it makes sense. Jesus is saying, pay for your promises. Pay for your commitments. Pay for your integrity. And because you do this, because not always, but every so often, you come to realize this in life, that to tell the truth, I'll be paying a price. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. If I tell the truth, people are going to be mad at me. If I tell the truth, they'll withdraw from me. If I tell the truth, they won't like or accept me. And so we use one of the five different tests, you know, the, the inflation, the deception, the adulation. We do all that because in that moment, we don't want it to cost us. To tell the truth costs. But here's the thing. To tell the truth costs, but also to not tell the truth costs. <laughs> And so you've got to work out which one is greater in the long run. More often than not, and this comes back to our, our, our series that we've just done before, in, in, in terms of the fact that the short-term pain and gain often is less than the long-term pain that we endure. Something is going to cost you. You've got to decide which one it is. And so guys, when, when I talk about authenticity as a community, when I talk about it, you'll hear our worship team all the time, I say to our worship team, we, we prioritise authenticity over excellence. And when I talk about being an authentic community, I do so very deliberately because I believe this is what your friends and my friends and our families are yearning for. I put it to you today, whether you're a Christian or not, that's what you're looking for. You're secretly asking yourself this morning, is there, is there a place where people have the courage to just, what you see is what you get? I feel for you because some of you have been part of churches where it's all smoke and mirrors, all funny games behind the scenes, genders and politics and all the rest of it. Jesus says, I didn't come and die for a community that's going to look like, you know, the Netflix show House of Cards, but on a Sunday, right? I didn't die for that. I died to model a life and, and people of beauty and openness and transparency and they did it knowing that it's flipping scary and it's not like the rest of the world but if they've done 101 of Sam's series <laughs> and they're living out of their unconditional acceptance on one hand we won't get the religious types who are really good at telling the truth I'll tell everyone the truth under the banner of oh I'm speaking the truth in love no when you're religious you're not really loving people you're just beating up on them so you can feel like a better Christian. And so it means that I, I can be the sort of person who speaks the truth with, without a, a heart of superiority. But it also means in a place of authenticity that I can hear the truth without fear of judgment, or fear of rejection, and I need not be a victim either. Guys, isn't this what the world wants? And so will you be the sort of person where when someone deals with you in the next 15 minutes... What you see is what you get. That lives the life that Jesus said, really simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Is there a system of sameness about you? Is there a sameness in every situation you have? More importantly, are there non-negotiables at the center of your soul? Because when we bring that into a world and a community like this, it becomes vastly beautiful and different and refreshing the sort of community that Jesus calls us to be. Let's pray. Father,
Uh, help each of us, hypocrites, <laughs> mask wearers, uh, to find first and foremost the acceptance, but the courage to be true uh, to who we really are and ultimately true to you. Father, I pray for each and every one of those micro moments that are going to happen over the course of this week, over the course of months. But I also thank you for the micro moments that have happened where people have met people in this place and they've found it refreshing and they've found it real and they've found it authentic. Protect that spirit, I pray, Heavenly Father. In this moment, I would ask as we seek to focus on you that you would Grant us the revelation by your Holy Spirit of these areas of our lives in which we are withholding or we're masking. Give us the space to acknowledge our inherent fears or concerns or pride in all of that. And in so doing, may we continue to to be the sort of places we've heard this morning that our evangelism won't necessarily come from snazzy sermons, from certain protocols that we've grown up with, but it would come from lives lived in every situation that feel the same. May that attraction and beauty draw people to you, we would pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.